Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read this passage, and then I'm going to talk to you why I'm wearing gla- about why I'm wearing glasses. So uh, this is John chapter 3, starting with verse 16, going to verse 19. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Look at verse 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. I want to talk about this today. It is uh, it's interesting to me why this passage that ends with uh, talking about light uh, coming into the world and the world uh, not loving the light, but actually loving the darkness rather than the light. It's interesting to me that this would come on the same weekend where uh, I have had the worst eye infection I've ever had in my entire life. All right, and that's why I'm wearing glasses. I am, I am not trying to be a hipster pastor. I don't know if, if, if this speaks hipster to you or old man to you. I'm not sure which one, but I, uh, it kind of speaks old man to me, but people tell me that I, I, I'm, you know, take off your skinny jeans and stop wearing glasses. You know, you're, you're not, don't go woke on us here. I, I'm not doing any of that. I, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing glasses because I can't put contacts in my eyes. I, I usually wear contacts because I've been struggling with an eye infection that started in September and hasn't completely gone. So if you are an eye doctor here or if you have an anointing to heal eyes, uh, both of you, see me, okay? Um, but uh, I, I'm not joking, I, I really need that. Um, but uh, I, I wanna tell you, yesterday I, um, I woke up and uh, when I opened my eyes, I realized that um, any amount of light um, you know, hurt me. And I spent hours yesterday morning in my basement. That's the darkest place in my house. And my eyes are so sensitive to the light that when I open it, even, even if someone would have lit a candle in the dark ba- basement, I would have been like, oh, I can't look at that, put it out. And so I tried to eventually venture upstairs and just the light of day was, was making life miserable for me. Um, I was kind of concerned about my retina. I was kind of concerned about lots of different things. How many people know that you'd, you'd rather deal with a knee or an ankle or a shoulder or something, just not your eyeballs, right? Right. So I know uh, for, for me that that's what was going on. I was like, God, what is this? Why is this still happening? Um, and so my wife scheduled me a... Uh, a doctor's appointment at the eye doctor. I forget what they're called, optometrist or something. Uh, so I, I went to the eye doctor about at 2.40 in the afternoon. And remember what I said is I couldn't handle any amount of light. I had to close my eyes in the doctor's office in the afternoon. And what the doctor actually did is the doctor sat me in a chair and he had me put my chin on this thing. And then what he did is he takes this machine. I now know that this machine is of demonic origin, all right? Uh, because uh, right straight from the abyss, all right? So because uh, so, what was happening is, is on the day that I could not handle seeing any light, more light was introduced to my eye than I had ever experienced, all right? Hey, like, it's like somehow this doctor, he just graduated in May, he was wearing a Penn State sweatshirt with, with skinny uh, like joggers. And I was like, now that is the doctor? Are you kidding me? All right, I want someone older than me, wiser than me, that's been through battles, not this Kimosabi, you know? So anyway, but, but he pulls over this, this abysmal machine and, and somehow what he's done in his youth as he has learned how to harness the power of the sun. And he was able to harness all of its strength and power and shine it directly into my eye, all right? Now, I am, my eyes were watering, and, and I really realized that, you know, I just preached this series on becoming a man, and I really realized that part of my masculine initiation was finalized here in this moment. What are you saying? Where, uh, and and my, since my eyes were uh, having so much trouble, I, I had to keep my eyes open where the, the power of the sun 
was shown into them. Then what the doctor did is he gave me some medicine that took away my, my, uh, my vision up close so my eyes couldn't focus on here and it opened up my, uh, some other part of my eye uh, so he could see deep in so he could check my retina. Now, this was, all, this, is, this was all happening. He was like very thorough, all right? This Penn State uh, skinny pant man, all right? Very, very thorough as he's looking. So this, we're talking about, I, I know it's gonna sound crazy but my wife was there, you can fact check with her, all right? But over an hour, he did this. All right. I'm sweating. Um, I, I was, I was not, well, I'm not going to say what I was really tempted to do, but it was, uh, it was, let's just say the guy probably would have been slain in the spirit. All right. So uh, after I was done, uh, but, uh, I was, I was really, really struggling, uh, in that, in that moment, uh, to keep my eyes open. Then what he did when I think it, when I thought it was all done is he took this little disc that, now it took the sun's power and it added Luke Skywalker's lightsaber and he zoomed, zoomed it into my eye and I really did not know how I was going to uh, continue. I was really a mess after that and, I, and exhausted, honestly. But this is, this is something that, that is uh, very interesting to me. God, why did you write this on my heart this week? Why did you write, listen, light has come into the world. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world, but we loved the darkness rather than the light. And on the week that I feel like I'm supposed to preach this, I can't handle the light. Is that interesting to you? Is that interesting to you? I really believe that God wants us to get this. And I don't believe that this is from God. I believe it's from the enemy. I'm just going to punish the enemy with it. You see? All right. You got that? God's going to use this in the midst of it. So I want to talk, I want to talk to us today about the light of Jesus in the world. And our greatest problem, listen, our greatest problem is not gas prices and this price and that price. Our greatest problem is we can't get our marriage to work. Our, our greatest problem is not lots of things that we, listen, our greatest problem is not even that we don't know who we are. Identity is, is, is a problem. It's not our greatest problem, right? Our greatest problem is, is, you know, there's lots of problems out there. How many people say, man, I've got problems in my life. This is a safe church to say that in. I've got issues, I've got problems. We bring all of those to Jesus. But listen to this. Our greatest problem, says the Gospel of John, is that light came. Now, light in this passage is Jesus. So listen, the light has come. Jesus has come. This is why we do candlelight services on Christmas Eve, to remembering the light of Christ, who has not watched from a distance, but has descended from heaven's throne, the eternally existent Son of God, and has entered into Space and time, he who exists outside of it, has, is now also here. Is this crazy? Light has come to the world that he created. Do you know that Jesus told you, told, told you to be formed in your mother's womb? He told the earth to be, the earth and everything in it was, was created by the spoken word of Jesus, right? And this guy, has now come to the world that he has made. And the real problem is that the world that he has made did not like him. You hear that? Closes their eyes saying, no, 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 we don't want the light. You know what light does? It exposes. Do you know why Luke Skywalker's you know, Jedi sword had to be plunged deep into uh, my eyeballs? As, so, so the doctor could make sure that deep on the inner eyeball, there was not something worse going on, all right? Light exposes, and so here we are, and light comes into the world, and you would think that we would love our maker, but the reality is, is that we haven't, and that, my friends, is the biggest problem that we're facing. Our hearts see Jesus, and they wanna run. This, is, this goes back to Genesis. Remember when sin entered the world, and the father was used to walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, and what they did is they ran and hid themselves and covered themselves, remember? And you know the father who knows everything? He asked, where are you? Not because he, was, he was, didn't know, but because his heart is, he wanted to walk with, with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That, my friends, is what you and I were made for, you see. We were made to walk with God, to know him. Say, we love being yours. We, long, we love belonging to you, Abba. There's nothing we would rather have. The zebra over there is cool. I, I love climbing to the peaks of the mountains and I love the view. But I know that I was made for Abba. This is, the, this is what we were made for. And when the one who made us comes into the world, you would think that we would say, finally, there you are. But the, the real predicament, the real problem 
is, the real issue that we have is not that we can't get our, our kids obeying. The real issue is when light came, we loved darkness. You see this? That is the one foundational issue that undergirds all other issues. All of the other issues are tied to this one. The affections of your heart are off kilter. The, the desires of your soul, you actually want what you weren't made for. You actually want the lesser instead of the greater. You hear this? And here's the thing. It goes on to say, because their deeds were evil. Now, let me tell you this. Actions flow from or follow affections. You hear this? The actions that you do are just showing what's going on in your soul, in your heart, in your, and on the inside of you. Do you hear this? All right? So you don't just kind of do stuff and then your heart follows. You're, it, is, it is like words. Every word that you say comes from your heart, you see. So word problems are heart problems and action problems are heart problems. Action problems are affection problems. So why is this person like, like acting like this? Why are they hurting other people? It's because on the inside of them, they have a heart problem. Their actions are just flowing out of their affections. They're off kilter. Did I go too deep for you too fast here? Are my glasses throwing you off? Am I, am I just too great to look at here? Is, are you, you guys still with me? All right, yeah, amen, somebody. Yeah, it, you know, it, do you know it takes, you know I'm being live streamed right now, hey guys. Um, do you know, I, and then I'm standing a few, in front of a few hundred people and I've got glasses on so my insecurity levels are up this high. I don't, I, I don't I, it's, that is hard for me when I've got glasses off. But here I am, guys, you know? So yeah, so I appreciate uh, Jason Driver over there saying amen, all right? So, so listen, I wanna talk just for a moment. You know what turns, uh, what, what turns your heart back to God is actually not, uh, you know, not, not mathematical, theological persuasion, but it's actually your heart has to actually see who God is, what God is like, how does he operate? Because the world has given us so many screens that tell us what God is like. It's interesting too, at this time of, a, of the year, do you know that we're using Santa Claus? I'm not saying if you believe in him or not. I'm just saying Jesus is the reason for the season. That's all I'm saying here. But there's lots of movies about Santa Claus and it's interesting, the good ones all have some type of a clausometer. Have you noticed that? Do you know what a clausometer is? It's, it's, what the, it's what Rudolph and, 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 the, and the sleigh and all the reindeer, it's, it's what the reindeer flies on. Now, according to this, this theological uh, documentary called Elf, um, the, uh, the, 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 the sleigh, uh, you know, flies on Christmas spirit, all right? So in other words, when, the more people believe in Santa Claus, you know, the, the more power the sleigh has to fly. And, and when Christmas spirit is low, then, then Elf has to geniusly install like some type of like, uh, you know, engine. Uh, to make the thing go. And many times what that is doing is it's communicating a message though to the world. Subtly, listen to this. It's communicating a message that God is needy for your praise. Okay, there's some Jesus-ometer happening. And, and, and Jesus needs praise for things to go. In other words, for his kingdom to fly. And my friends, that is not how it is. That is not, let me tell you the best news I can tell you today. Okay, listen, this is, the, Jesus didn't come seeking you because he needed you. Do you listen to this? This is great. This is going to take the, the pressure off and the weight off. Many of our gospel presentations, and I, I, I'm going to just kind of calm down. I want to be a dad today, but listen to this. Listen to this, okay? Jesus didn't come seeking you because he needed you to do something for him. Okay, imagine if I came home and my kids uh, could expect from me that when I get in the door, I'm gonna need them to do something for me. All right, now that is gonna actually make them run away and feel, or if I, if I say, hey, yesterday, you guys didn't really produce well. I told you to do this, you did that. I, I wanted you to do it this way, you didn't do it. Like, and if that was the expectation that they had from me, listen, you know what I would do is it wouldn't bridge the gap, any gap between us, it would push them away. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have hard conversations. Sometimes you say, hey, let's work on this. But I am saying if you are needy and, and your goal and you have a vibe that I'm using Using people, I'm using people, what that does is it actually creates a gap in between you and the people that you don't want to use, but you, you want to love. Did I lose you on that? We've got elf theology, theology going. We've got Jedi lightsabers. We've got all kinds of clausometers. This is very deep. All right? Are you getting this? 
Listen, I, I, wa I wanna say, God is not using you because he needs you. He, he listen, God just wants you. Does not need you. When you come to Providence, one of the things that, you know, we ask you to fill out a connection card. Let me tell you this. Here's another, I, I feel like there's a kingdom concept. We're not asking you to fill out a connection card because we need you. All right? Honestly, we've got some of the most gifted people around. We don't, we don't like need people here. Like we've got the best people in place that I know of. You know what? But there is a place for you, but your place is not going to be determined on, on your, your skill or ability to do a task. Your place for you is just how has God wired you and we're going to plug you in so you can just, you can run and play with Jesus and we can benefit from it. That's how the kingdom works. And we've got this idea of Jesus that he has a clausometer. He's more like Santa Claus than, than uh, the, you know, the, the eternally existent one who was and is and is to come. And that God is looking for people because he needs them. I'm just telling you, God's not that small. He's much bigger than that doesn't need you, he wants you. He wants you, he wants you, he wants you. Well, why, what have I done? Nothing to deserve his affection and he wants you anyway. Woo! Wow, that's loud. Okay, yes. Man, that, I woke myself up on that. So, suddenly I can see straight. No, anyway, no. Uh, but uh, listen, so here, what is God like? Well, John 3, 16 and 17 show a, a lot of people, lots of times we use this as kind of like an, an avenue and it's a great place to see the gospel displayed, but it's also a great place to see the character and the nature and the heart of God. Listen, you can't stand on the promises of someone you don't trust, all right? <laughs> We've got to know God to stand on his promises. And so here's the first thing that I would just want you to hear, though, is that God is loving. God is loving. God is loving. He's not a pushover. He's loving. All right? He's not a joke, but he's loving. And the strongest way possible says this, God so loved the world. God so loved. Now, I love that this is one place where it says God so loved. I don't know if there's any other place in the entire scripture where we see God so love. It's not just love. Like love is, the love of God is great, but this is the so love of God. And he's taught the, the so love of God is used for the world. God so loves the world. Wait, hold on a second. Jesus, <laughs> didn't the world crucify you? Didn't the world nail you to the cross? Didn't you just, didn't, aren't you, isn't this the direction you're going? That you made the world, you came to the world, but people love darkness instead of you. Yes. I still love the world. It's not going to stop me. God is loving. God is loving. He is loving. Now, the world here is not the world system. I don't think God loves the world system. The world system that uses people, the world system that's just trying to get a leg up, the world system that's actually trying to blind people and pull them into darkness. God doesn't love that nonsense. This is not talking about the world system. This is talking about the people in the world. This is talking about humanity. Not a system, a people. God so loves the people of the world. He so loves the people. He so loves the people of the world. Next time you're frustrated at somebody, listen, right? Ha ha listen, let's all just kind of put our own hands over our heart and say, I'm preaching to myself. Go preach. This is for me. It's not for my neighbor. It's for me. The next time we're frustrated at somebody, we need to look at someone and say, this is the so loved of God. The so loved of God. Come on. He so loves people. And, and it's amazing that when God displayed his so love, is, or let me say it this way, it's the when God displayed his so love. It's the when God displayed his incredible kindness and compassion towards people. It's a when we still love the darkness. You see that? When we didn't like him, God so loved. That, listen, this is speaking to a love relationship that God wants to have with us, not based on our perfection or performance, not based on our righteousness, but his. This is, this is not the kind of love that we get as, a, uh, as an earning. Well, we loved you so much, I guess we, we are worthy of your love. Listen, listen, hey, hey, let me, let me flag us down here. You see, this is, this is my flagging us down. The gospel is not that we are so worthy that God let us in. That is a works-based gospel that, that, is, that stands on our merit. We weren't worthy. We were sinners when God loved us. Dilusia. Listen to this. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. This is the win of God's love. God shows his love. God shows his love. 
for us in that, this is the win, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I know this is basic. You, you grow up in church. If you're a part of Sunday school, you hear all of this stuff and it's really good. But I, just, I want a revival of it. I want to return to it. I want us to come back to the basics of it and have our affections uncorked for God because of it. We didn't earn his love. We didn't deserve his love. We were still sinners or in other words, enemies with God, loving darkness, loving, loving the system of the world more than him. Like C.S. Lewis says, I said this last year, this is our uh, last week that, uh, and last year probably, Probably. Uh, but uh, that, that here's the problem. God is inviting us to a, a holiday at the sea. We prefer making mud pies in the slums. We're choosing mud over the, the eternally begotten one who fashioned us in our mother's wombs and spoke everything into existence. The holy, holy, holy one who is the, a greater, more valuable treasure than everything combined in the known and unknown universe. This one, we prefer other things. Other, listen, doesn't stop his love. You hear this? Does not stop his love. He doesn't love you because you love him. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. Despite your love for him, he loves you. He does not, he, listen, he, he will love you if you hate him to your dying day. He will, you will go to the, to the grave with the love of God on you. You hear this? This is, we can't say we, you know, we reject religion when our presentation of the gospel is elevating our worthiness to actually receive. You know what we're doing? We're taking the power out of the gospel. The power is you were not worthy. There is one who is worthy. His name is Jesus. You are not him. There's one who is able to open the scroll. You can try. You can't. There is one who is worthy. His name is Jesus. All right? You are not worthy of his love, but he puts it on you anyway. It is a celebration of his, it, lists, it shows us who he is. He is loving. He is compassionate. He loves his enemies. God. He loves his enemies. And he loves us. Man, when this love finds us, it usually finds us when we at our deepest, darkest place usually finds us like the enemy is, is taking us lower and taking us lower. It's getting darker. We can only exist in the basement. And that's usually where the love of God finds us. When we get to the end of ourselves and we stop presenting our love for him as a work and we just say, I have nothing to offer you. That's usually where the love of God finds us in jail and prison. And then all the prison breaks and all the coming outs of the basements and all the light penetrating souls because of the love of God is wonderful. It's wonderful. But if we try to present our love to God, it is, that is not how his kingdom works. It's how this kingdom works. We, we love people who love us. We like people who like us. It's really hard to love somebody who doesn't like you. But his kingdom. You know, when you're loving somebody who, who, who hates you, that is being more like Jesus than just everybody else, just loving who loves them, right? Man, man, what a call to the church who has received the love of God to give it away, starting with the people who won't reciprocate. Come on, guys. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The order here is important. It's the death of Jesus was not God's response to our works or our righteousness or our love for him, okay? The what happens first is Jesus proves his love by the cross and then we receive it. Whew. That is very important. It's completely based on his love for us, coming in our direction, chasing us down to the deepest pit we could ever be in, chasing us down the road like, a, like Abba, all right? God is loving. Aren't you thankful for that? Listen to this though, that, that God, is, and I, I've, I've spoke about this briefly, but God is giving, not needy, okay? God is giving, not needy. God is not glorified most when we supply what he lacks. This is how we talk. We say, God's using us, God's using us, as if he, he needed us, all right? Listen, God has no lack here. He has no lack. Therefore, we cannot supply a need for what he lacks, right? He, he, he is not like one of the Greek gods of old who gets weaker when, when people aren't praising him. God is, is as strong as he's ever been. He has no lack. Listen, no lack. 
He's not, like, I, I'm so thankful for the freedom of being able to run and play with God, not just be needed by him. Because when, when he's used me up and I burn out like a log, well, off to the next one that I can use. And that's how, that's how the world works. That is not kingdom. That is not, God does not need to use you for something that he lacks. He lacks nothing. He lacks, listen, he lacks nothing. Uh, listen, this is uh, Acts chapter um, 17 here. I'm just going to flip there. I think we might have it on the screen. This is Paul addressing the Areopagus. These are the, you know, some of the, the smart guys in, uh, in Athens, Greece. And he says this in Acts chapter 17, verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Come on, right? Do you know where he lives now because of the cross and because the, the curtain in the, in the, that separated us from the Holy of Holies, in other words, his presence was torn from top to bottom, like angelically here, right? And, and now, now it, symbolizing we now have access, but the, the, God lives in us and the people who will receive him, right? Not, not, in, not in all of humanity, in his blood-bought, adopted sons and daughters. You see? But listen to verse 25. Nor is, listen, this is, this is so good. Listen. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Paul is saying, listen, God is not so weak that he needs you. He's not served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives. This is what God does. Listen, God gives. God, 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 doesn't, God doesn't need. God, God gives from a well called himself that is eternal and can never dry, you see. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Man, this is the God that we're dealing with here. He, he's, this, is, this is why he, he's like a lion. This so powerful. Like, I like being in relationships where I need it. That gives me security. Well, that, that's, that's of the world. All right? This relationship is not based on, on need and using. This relationship is based on love and covenant keeping. Blood, heart, love, passion. God is giving, not needy. Look at, at John 3, 16 again, 17. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It wasn't God so loved the world that he gave people another chance to do something good for him. Religion. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I want us to focus here. God is giving. God, God so loved the world that he gave. Here's the result of his love. He gave. And I want to tell you this. If you want to glorify God, stop trying to serve him. Stop trying to be, you say, okay, God's a, the king in a kingdom. Well, so I'm going to be a jester in the courts of the Lord trying to please God with my dance. That's not how it works. He's not entertained by you. He does not, he, listen, listen. He, he, he wants you here on his lap. That's it. Relationship with you, not dances. Relationship with you, not, not just, you know, just, just coming, not, not good performances. Relationships with you. God is, God is not looking for the answer to the problem from you. All right? He's supplying it and, and welcoming you in to his answer. All right? He's saying, I'm the greatest. Listen, if you want to glorify me, come and enjoy me. Enjoy me. Receive. I'm a giver and you're a receiver. That's how God made us. He gives and we receive. Listen, this is, this is life altering. This is going to mess your minds up. If you want to glorify God most, that here's how you don't do it. You perform for him. That's, you don't, he's not glorified for that. He's grieved by that. You know how he's glorified? Receiving what he's already done. This is how this... I'll take that. I'll take that. Well, it's how many, how many dads in the room would celebrate that um, their kids gave them more presents on Christmas morning? What? That, that is not, that is not, listen, listen, I, I have experienced being a dad for 16 years. I don't get excited when my, I get excited about love. I get excited when my kids receive gifts from me and, 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 and squeal. 
praise. I, I'm, my whole goal this Christmas is to get my 16-year-old, almost six-foot-seven son to squeal like a girl. That is my goal. I, I just out of joy and delight of, hey, this is, this is love. This is wow. Instead, like, because if you lived around Ethan, you get a lot of, huh, what? You know, he, he's just a man now. He's got shoulders out to here. He's just like, man, couldn't be more proud of him. You know, but, but it's not that he's, he doesn't have to earn my affection. Listen, do you hear this? My kids don't have to earn or deserve my affection. They're, it is impossible to lose it. I want to bless them, and if they want to make me a happy dad, they receive the gifts that I give them. I am not going to walk into my house and say, hey, listen, we can't pay the bills. Ethan, I need you to get a job. Grace, I need you to start, you know, uh, and, and Lena, I need you to go out there, start mowing lawns. I, oh, it's the dead of winter. It doesn't matter. Get out there. Get out there. Serve, 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 serve. All right? Friday is the day where you pay me. Right? This is, that, that is not how it is. That is not how it is. You glorify God by receiving what he provides for you. Being a receiver is a glorious thing. And that's why religion constantly preaches the opposite. It's what you do. It's what you do. It's what you do. You're needed. You're needed. But it's never relational. It's never wanted. I want to tell you this morning that God wants you and he wants to, he, he wants to be so wonderful in your life that you trust him and you stand on his promises he, he wants you to be so secure in his love that you feel like you don't have to perform for not only him, but anybody. He just wants you to be okay with being you. The imperfect version that is, that is slowly but pro progressively being sanctified, becoming more like Jesus on this earth until you see him face to face and are absolutely, completely head to toe perfect like he is. He wants you. He wants you. He wants you. Listen, he wants you. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says that Jesus came not to, serve, not to be served, but to serve. This, is, this is, is speaking to the reason for the incarnation of Christ, not to be served. I didn't come here because I need servants. I came here because I want sons and daughters. I, I want sons. I want daughters. How do we do that? Well, my sons and daughters are going to have to grab hold of what I am serving them with. You see, God is most honored and glorified when, when we are recipients of his love and just enjoy him. I feel like I've got you for a second, then I feel like I lose you on the next line. Press into that. I also love this, though, that God is kind and compassionate. If you want to think about God, like, man, he's loving, he's a giver, he's kind, and he's compassionate. Verse 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's what religion would say. Just make you feel bad enough to try to scare you out of hell and into heaven. Man, that is not, that is not it, guys. Man, God wants to astound you with his love so much that you want him more than anything. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He's on a rescue mission here, and, and his mission is you. It's glorious to him. It, it's, it's wonderful for you. He's kind. He's compassionate. Not treating us as our sins deserve, but actually sacrificing himself. This is what Jesus did, sacrifice himself on the cross. I know we talk about the murder of Jesus and everything. Usually people who were murdered uh, didn't want to be, all right? Jesus, listen, Jesus was murdered in some ways that you look at it, like from the heart and motives of sinful people. But on the, the grand scheme, Jesus laid down his life willingly for the joy set before him. And the joy set before him is reconciliation with sons and daughters. You see? Th think about this. When, when God looks on a world distant from him with all kinds of barriers and religious expectations in between him and, and, and sons and daughters, he actually doesn't get angry. He hurts. He hurts. He cries. We see this multiple times in the scriptures, but we don't see it any more than the prodigal son. When, when the father is constantly looking down the road. Why is he looking down the road? Because, is it because he, he, loves, he loves how roads look? <laughs> or is he watching for his son to come home? 
Listen, he's watching for his son to come home. That's why he's constantly looking down the road. And when he sees his son even far off, what he does is he doesn't wait. He said, well, I'm not going to, he decided to leave. He can get himself back here, right? This is how we talk. And then we slap, you know, we slap all kinds of good things on that kind of very demented theology, so that, that is not the heart of the father. When his son is returning, the moment you can see him, what the, what the father does is, is he, he breaks all cultural rules and he hikes his, his clothes up and he runs and he doesn't care what he looks like. Old men don't run in this culture, but the father does. And when he gets to the, to the son, the son has this big speech and everything. But listen, just the son coming home was the repentance. He doesn't need a speech. He doesn't need to say, oh, I, I deserve to be one of your angels or one of your servants. We don't become angels in heaven. Bad theology, all right? Angels wish they were us. You hear this? Good, that's good theology. Do you know why? Because we weren't saved to serve. We were saved to belong. Oh, we, were, we were saved to be sons and daughters in the kingdom. That's what angels would be like. Wow, you guys really have the deal here. You actually, like we, we serve, but you guys, you guys really have the deal here. This is, do you know what you, you get to, you get to be sons of the king, daughters of the king. And this is what God wants. That's why he supplies all the kisses and he, and he ruins religious speeches. Jesus was sent to do that, not condemn. Hear this? Jesus did not come to condemn us, Jesus came so we, we could have prodigal road encounters. So we, we could have grace collisions. So we could come back to the Father and be reconciled to him. He is the good news. He is better than everything else. The light, I promise, it may be hard to look at, hang in there. It, it is gonna pierce your soul and change you. Jesus is better than anything and everything else combined times infinity. He is better, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. And so here's, here's what God calls us to do. And if you, if you don't know, this is Jesus speaking here to a man named Nicodemus who was a teacher of the law, but didn't know the basics of the kingdom. And Jesus is speaking to this guy. It's interesting. You say, well, all of us know John 3.16. All of us this. But it's, it's, usually not, it's usually not presented in like a, a kingdom perspective. And here Jesus is actually, it sounds so basic to us that sometimes it's hard to receive. But Jesus is speaking to one of the religious elites. And this is what comes out of Jesus' mouth. Hey, I'm talking to a super smart guy. Here's what I'm rolling in. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Some of us, some of us just need to hear this fresh. You know, that what God's asking for is, is not obedience, is not trying harder, is not raising your kids in church, is not church attendance. You know, honestly, praise on that one because the average church attendance these days is once a month. It's hard for pastors, you know, to get to know people. Then I, I don't feel connected. Well, Let's, let's, let's change some things, my friends, right? But it, listen, but anyway, it, it, doesn't, it, it won't save you. You can never come to church again. It, 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 it won't save you. You don't come to church to be saved, all right? You come to church if you want to be with other like-minded people and make much of Jesus, who is now your treasure. <laughs> Turn us loose, God. Like, whenever the doors are open, we want to be there if we can. But all, all, we, we've heard all of these things about here's how you get right with God. All right, yeah, you kind of have to believe in God, but man, you really have to live a good moral life. God's gonna weigh your sins and then your good works. That, that is, is as demonic as whatever tool my optometrist was using yesterday, I promise you, all right? Listen, whoever believes in him, not believes in general, you hear that? There's a lot of, of uh, amplification of faith in general. It's not all of us operate in faith, all right? To stand on this stage, I have to operate in faith that the builders made it so it would support me. To sit in the chairs, you have to operate in faith that the, whoever put the chair together you know, knew what they were doing and they, they tightened all the screws and they did all the stuff. You're, listen, you're operating in faith now. All of us do every single day. This is not faith in general. This is faith in Jesus. Whoever believes in him, meaning Jesus, will not perish. I Just take a second longer here this morning to, to, say, to say this. This is a promise that when you know God who isn't trying to use you here, he's not trying to get anything out of you, you can trust this promise. 
This is, this is a God that doesn't hate you, but loves you. You can trust this promise. This is, this is not a God that, that is asking you to perform for him and just waiting and then evaluating. This is not that God. This is a God who wants to give to you, just wants to see you receive with joy. And you can trust this promise. That whoever, the, the, the whoever part blows my mind. You mean like the, the murderer? Yes, the murderer. Religion would tell us that they don't deserve it. But honestly, none of us do. So we're all in the same sinking ship. You mean, you mean the person that, they're, they're the worst parents. Like, yes, them, the worst parents. They, they, that, that's a whoever. You, you mean that, you know, just fill in the bank. Think about the, the person you think would, should never earn salvation. That God loves to start with them, guys. Jesus walks up to Matthew, the tax collector's table, and calls him into his life. Jesus, the people that Jesus start with should silence all the lies. And the band can come out here. I don't know where you are. Uh, but uh, I'm preaching good now. I need you. Uh, but uh, this is, do you hear this? Do you hear this? It's, it's whoever, whoever, whoever. There is, there is no category of person who cannot receive this good news. Whoever, whoever, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, the worst of the worst, the most miserable, the most defeated, the most depressed. And my experience is God loves to start there. Loves to find people in the pit and pull them out of it and change their lives. So whoever believes, now this word believe, like I, I wanna preach one part of it, and we hear this a lot, but I wanna preach another part of what belief actually is that we don't hear a whole lot. Part of belief is trusting. And the trusting here is that when you believe, you trust based on the, on the validity of the promiser, not based on your ability to do, but his ability to deliver. So we're trusting that the son, the light of the world, is enough to save me. What he's done on the cross is enough to save me. I'm not counting on my own righteousness and giving it to God like a paycheck. I'm counting on the righteousness of Jesus to save me. And I'm saying, I trust the cross. I trust the empty tomb. I trust the, the heart, character, and nature of the promiser, God. He said he'd save me if I believe. And so I, I'm standing on that promise. On that promise, I'm trusting. You see? But the other part of faith is treasuring. Long dramatic pause. Do you get that? Do you feel it? It's you know what can happen? Is when, we, when we just preach that faith is just trusting, you can do it minus your heart. But so, yeah, Jesus, I trust you. Are we good? We, yeah, we're good. We're good. But listen, but faith does not exclude your heart. It includes it requires it, demands it even. See, treasuring is, is like, hey, listen to this. Here's what I mean by this, is that faith moves affections of the heart over other stuff, mud pies in the slums, darkness in this world, and puts it on Jesus. It's not calling us to uh, perfect affections. It's not calling us to perfect love. It's not calling us to perfection, it is calling us to recognize I was made for Jesus and he is the treasure of the universe, not the mud pies, not the darkness. Light has come. I love the darkness. That's the problem. What, what I know that I need is I need a new treasure and I am announcing and declaring over my own soul and for all the angelic hosts to hear and God himself that Jesus I am recognizing as my treasure. In other words, he is the most valuable. He reigns supreme. He is preeminent. He is better for me than the world. And that's what repentance is. And that's why we need it, because it's a part of faith. I'm trusting that Jesus is better. I'm trusting that what Jesus did on the cross is enough for me. I'm trusting that he is enough for me. Jesus is enough. I am not enough. Jesus is enough. I, 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 know, I, I know I'm basically taking like a Hobby Lobby quotes and burning them in front of your eyes here today. All right? But we've got to hear it, all right? We're not worthy. Jesus is worthy. We're not enough. Jesus is enough. All right? All right? And what I'm saying is that belief requires all you've got. I think, I think a lot of people have received Jesus as, as a transaction and not a treasure. And this morning, I'm just asking you to open your hearts to receiving him as a treasure based on what he wants to give you. And what he wants to give you is himself. And I want you to receive him today as better than everything else. 
I don't want you to offer him your perfection. I want you to receive him for what he's offering. And he's not offering a second chance, right? There's another Hobby Lobby burning here. He's not offering a second chance. He's offering him. He's offering him. So the real question this morning is, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Like, listen, do you want the son? Do you want the son? Do you want the sun? The sun has come into the world. The light has invaded the darkness. Do you love the darkness or do you want to step into the light of the sun? Say light, light, light. I want the light. I want to be in the light. Look at every dark place in my heart. Look at every broken place in me. I want all of it. I just want, I want, listen, I'm not bringing God my best. I'm bringing him my worst and if you take me at my worst, Jesus, I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. God, God, that's what God has been declaring from the book of Genesis to now. He's been screaming to the world, I want you. I want you. Why are you building for yourself broken cisterns? You see, they don't hold water. I'm the fountain of living water. And guess what? I'm accessible. You can have me. Do you want me? And faith is just saying, man, I want you. <laughs> I trust you. Forgive me, God. I just want you. It's like light has come. Like the light goes off when we can see that Jesus is not just a tool to get us to heaven, but actually the treasure our hearts were fashioned for. Seeing Jesus for who he is, the treasure of our lives. Suddenly our sexual identity bows to that. Suddenly all of our hopes and dreams that we have produced bows to that. Suddenly we say, Jesus, I trust you more than anything else. I bow to you. You tell me who I am. My main goal is not to try to be somebody. My main goal is to know you and receive from you who I am in you. All right? Everything, everything bows to I, I just really feel like um, sex, I, I mean, I know that this is a spicy one. I just said that, then I paused. Uh, but uh, sex needs to bow to God. Pornography, shows we watch. You know, you can, watch, you can turn on Netflix right now and you can, like, like what we watch on the regular today would have, in, in like 1981, would have be considered X-rated. And now we've just welcomed it into our lives. So like pornography and what we watch and orientations and all of that stuff, you know what, they, they're, listen, it, it, they're not better than Jesus. They're not better than Jesus. The best sex in the world will not satisfy you for eternity. All right, it'll leave you high and dry. You were not made for sexual experiences. You were made for Jesus. And under his lordship, it can make sense. I, I went there. It's because I'm wearing glasses. But guys, like f- fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Like all this stuff, just all this stuff. Sometimes we're like, we feel, I'm, I'm unfulfilled. I'm unfulfilled. I'm unfulfilled. So we try another experience and then we try another relationship. It is just this, this grasping for Abba is all it is. It's this grasping for treasure is all it is. It's this grasping for a man named Jesus who made you in the womb. It's just like, I can't, I can't find what I'm looking for. I, and Jesus is here's like, Okay, now we can start. You've built broken cisterns and they didn't hold water. You've hung out in dark basements and they didn't satisfy. I want you to open your heart to the light. I want you to let Abba have a grace collision with you, catch you on the road. Abba means daddy, okay? I want, your dad needs to catch you here. And here's what he's gonna do, kiss you a lot. He's going to hug you and snuggle you. He's going to speak identity onto you. But he is who you want. And so this morning, people, listen, people, here's what we need. Here's what we need. We need to come out of the darkness and we need to step into the light. I remember the darkest time, the darkest experience I ever had. I was a ninth grader. I was a freshman in high school. Um, I was invited for like a harvest party uh, to another kid's youth group. I went with this kid and uh, he met a girl there within the first five minutes and was off, all right? I was alone by myself. I decided that, you know, they had built this big hay maze in a barn, all right? I had nothing better to do, so I climbed in. Okay, now listen to this, listen to this. I get lost in the hay maze. The hay maze is so dark, I literally can't see my hands in front of my face. 
literally. I would scream, but like all of that hay is like absorbing all the sound. So, so I'm thinking, nobody can hear my cry for help. Nobody even knows my name except the one guy who abandoned me, but he's so enamored with, with uh, you know, Sally Sue here, all right, that he's gonna forget that I exist. And when they all get on the big yellow bus to take us back to mom, no one's gonna know where I am. All these things are going through my mind and I'm panicking. I've never felt claustrophobic, but I'm, I, I, I've gotta get out of there and I'm just going in circles and laps and laps and laps. Like, welcome to most people's regular existence. Nobody knows me. I'm not on anybody's radar. I've been left. I've been abandoned. Nobody hears my voice. I can't get out of this. I'm telling you, it, was the, it wasn't the lapping and the striving and the panicking that got me out. Do you know what got me out? You know what got me out? Somebody with a light came in with a flashlight and found me in my darkest spot. And I melted. I screamed for them. I'm like, please get me out of here. Like I, when I got out, I found that I'd been in there for over 90 minutes all right, choking on all the stuff. And a person with a light found me. Listen, guys, I'm telling you, Christmas is this. Jesus came with the light and is shining you and said, I want you, and I want you, and I want you, and I want you, and I want you. Here's the thing, we have, we have to say this. Do you want him back or do you want to stay lost in a maze of confusion? Do you want him back? Are you going to follow him and grasp for him and say, you are my new treasure, you are my new Lord? Guys, this is as easy as it gets. Do you know how to be found? Do you just know how to follow the finder? It's as easy as it gets. So many, many people right now, this morning, maybe you've been saved for years and you just need to say, hey, Jesus, I forgot the joy of being found. I just want to be found. I just, God, I just celebrate this again. Reignite the affections of my heart to see you as the greatest. You can do that right now and get silly with it. I'm telling you, like, right, I, I'm, I'm not suggesting, I'm telling. Get silly with it right now. All right, and some of you though here, you're as lost as you can be, but you're in church and you think you're okay. I just wanna tell you, listen, Jesus wants you. Do you want him back? And today can be the day that you trust him, treasure him, follow him, and belong. Man, this is good. I just feel, I feel like, it's like, you know the, the song, I hear the steps of the father running? Man, I, it's, like, it's like I literally can feel, the steps of the Father coming after people here this morning. This is, this is what Christmas is about. This is not, this is not, it's not seasonal. This is what life is about. The Father's coming down the road. All you had to do is look back. This is, and it's, he's just, he just wants you back. He just wants you back. He just wants you back. The steps of the Father running down the road. Let's spend, spend some time with Jesus here for a moment. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.